So welcome to episode three of the Speak Your Strength podcast. This is Paul back with another episode. And this podcast is all about giving people a platform to share their stories, their battles with mental health, and to show that it's okay to talk. It's okay to talk about the struggles, about the bad times, because as one of my favorite quotes says, don't be ashamed by your story, let it inspire others. Today's guest is Miriam, and she suffered with depression herself, and she had a different way of dealing with depression. I'm not going to give too much away. I'm going to let Miriam talk about her story and I'm going to let Miriam speak her strength. So let's call up Miriam and see what she has to say. So, hey, Miriam, how are you? I'm okay. I'm just recovering from tonsillitis. So what have Um, have you got in front uh, of you? Is it a ginger? (laughs) I have got um, ginger and turmeric tea. don't know if you can quite see that. Nice. (laughs) Um, Ginger, turmeric and honey. It looks disgusting. Does it taste I good? Think it, I think hopefully. It'll, yeah, actually, it does taste okay, especially with the honey in it. <gasps> there you hmm. go, the, the magic taste test. Yeah. Good, so as, as long as it makes you better, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool, so welcome to... It's my secret weapon. <laughs> welcome to the Speak Your Strength podcast. I just kind of wanted to um, first thank you for coming on. I know obviously, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the accolades and everything that you've done and <laughs> the books that you've written and we'll, we'll dive into that all in a minute. Um, but, you know, firstly, if we can just talk a little bit about your personal story, the kind of journey that you've been on um, before we talk about the people that you've helped and so on. Um, yeah. What led, what led you here, you know, to this point? You mean into positive psychology? Yeah, just kind of, you know, the moment that you're at or just, right now. Yeah, or to Bristol or... Um, well, you know, I, I had a kind of secret motivation for getting into positive psychology because I had a history of um, depression and I was, was looking for a remedy, really. And um, I tried counselling, but I found that talking about my unhappiness only really sort of left me drowning oh. In unhappiness and um, antidepressants didn't do anything for me. I, I tried a couple which mm. uh, did nothing, uh, which was you know really disappointing when I when I was sort of at such a low ebb. And then the third one I tried gave me this really creepy hallucination. Um, it's it, it's what's known as a, a tactile hallucination. I had this sensation of water going all the way down my body, um, like a being in a shower. So that landed me in A&E, um, oh. and I think it, it kind of was then, um, actually, well, what, what did it for me was um, I just spent months, I wasn't working, um, just kind of trying to, you know, wanting to, exploring my, the source of my unhappiness, um, and then one day um, I, was, I was in my kitchen and basically my, my dishwasher flooded. Um, and I sort of, you know, went into it and tried to sort of fix it. Mm. Um, and mm. I ended up with a flooded kitchen. Um, and I just sat there on the floor and I, I bawled. I bawled and bawled and bawled. And I was kind of at the end of my tether because everything I had tried wasn't working for me. So, uh, you know, I kind of had to do something different so that's when um, I started sort of investigating more the science of happiness. Um, and a couple of years previously, I, I was still working. I worked as a radio producer um, and I made a program about happiness. And that kind of got me reading the books. 
so uh, that, that's kind of how it happened. So I tried out the practices gradually, a little bit like a dimmer switch coming on. The light started to come into the dark. Um, and then it worked so well for me that I decided to chuck in what I was doing. And um, I went off and did a master's in positive psychology and, you know, left my old life behind. It was really, you know, a big transition. Mm. And that's when I became uh, a positive psychologist. So uh, my purpose in life is to put me and others on the path to happiness. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So if we can just quickly go back to... It was intriguing to hear about, obviously, those low points when you was depressed, as you said. Yeah. Um, was it just a sudden depression or was it something that kind of gradually happened? Um, I think a little bit of both. I've had all kinds of depression. But when I was a child, uh, my father died when I was very young. I was 10 years old. And that really changed the course of my childhood. You know, I had to sort of grow up in an instant. And um, I turned into a workaholic. I was a teen workaholic. Um, and I sort of worked really hard, went to university, then started on my, my working life. Again, I was a real workaholic. Um, and so when something didn't go right <laughs> in my personal life, uh, uh, I, I basically, you know, that, that childhood trauma had set me up for episodes of depression. So um, what I found, and there were two things that kind of triggered the first really major episode of depression. It was a breakup with my ex, you know, someone I thought that I would probably have children with. And, and suddenly life wasn't going to be the way I, I thought it would be. Um, and then a job that I was in came to an end. Um, and I wasn't quite sure which way to go forwards. Um, so I was in the void uh, and I thought, oh, let's take a sabbatical, find out what I really want to do. But I think that lack of structure meant I, I tumbled um, into depression then. So uh, I think, yeah, those were the kind of the, the two things that sort of set me up for depression. And since then, every episode of depression that I had subsequently was related to a, a period of in life when work wasn't going so well. Um, I used to work in the media, very fast-moving industry, um, and uh, I, well, I'd sort of come to a crossroads. Um, I was working in TV, and I'd, I'd sort of done everything I wanted to do. I met everyone I wanted to meet. I'd made every program I wanted to make. And the thing is, because I had an absence of personal life, I was really, really, I was overly invested mm. in my professional life, mm. and that meant when you know the professional life wasn't working for me anymore i was so much more vulnerable uh to depression uh but i haven't had um i haven't had a depression now for about 10 years um i had a wobbly moment about four years ago i had a, a double trauma uh, my mother had a stroke and at this around the same time i became the victim of um cyber harassment so that really tested my resilience and mm. you know it was traumatic I had post-traumatic stress um but eventually I got through that uh, and I you know I still sometimes I, I become low um but I've not I've not had an episode of depression in a very long time mm. 
from what I'm hearing, your levels of self-awareness is, is very high. You kind of can understand why you're feeling a certain way and trace back to ah. periods of your life. Is that always been very natural for you or has that kind of been the progression that you've gone through? Um, both. <laughs> it's really interesting that you say that because that's why I think therapy, the talking therapies did nothing for me mm. because I already knew you what already was wrong. Knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, focusing on my unhappiness only left me drowning in it. It didn't help me get past it. And I think, you know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, well, actually, especially um, back in the sort of 19, you know, 70s and b- before, people really didn't talk about their feelings. Mm. So I think therapy there was a real role for therapy then in, in helping people open up and uh you know and discuss sort of get over that stiff upper lip and discuss uh talk openly about how they felt uh but you're right yeah I did have quite a high emotional um awareness so I didn't need that mm. um and I, I actually have really I've got some fantastic friends who've been uh, really supportive what I needed was a way to move forward mm-hmm. um, and that's why mm-hmm. for me um, coaching has worked much better than therapy um, and I, I now work as a uh, as a coach um, as well. So what kind of advice can you give to someone listening to this because you know you mentioned that you tried antidepressants you tried talking therapy mm-hmm. you know but it was more positive psychology coaching that helped um, you know for me it was more talking therapy but again it kind of relating to your story Mm -hmm. the person who helped me the most she wasn't a counselor she was uh, a lady called Anne who was approaching her 70s Um, she was a spiritualist and she kind of I went I went a a couple of times because I had back problems and she used to do her you know holistic massage and Mm -hmm. she would just she gave me a book Eckhart Tolle Power of Now and I went away and read it at 19 and was like what the hell is this book this this doesn't make any sense doesn't relate to me but I think you know and and I was I was she was the only one that I opened up to and I think again it was that combination of one oh the Paul the the you've frozen have I froze is that (laughs) better the um your picture froze yeah, it is. So I, I, I missed what your question. No, sorry. Um, so I was, I was just trying to say that for me, it was more talking therapy, but also that whole self-awareness of just, she made me ask mm, those yeah. questions myself. Um, so what kind of advice can you give to someone who has tried maybe one thing and it hasn't worked for them? Is it just try other stuff? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm very much about broadening the way we treat depression in this country because if you go to your doctor the chances are it'll either be a waiting list for some kind of talking therapy mm. or an antidepressant now antidepressants can work they work better in the more severe cases but what if you haven't changed your thinking once you come off them what if your circumstances are the same what if you you know you, you still experienced a loss um what I like about positive psychology practices is that they act as natural antidepressants. So they're, that they're kind of backed by science um, and, and they, they, you know, and, and, and they work. Um, so, I mean, some of the positive psychology practices that are helpful in depression are things like uh, gratitude. 
Um, now, gratitude is is much more than saying thank you. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it, 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 it's more than you know. It's not it's not so much counting your blessings, but what it does it's it's a sort of um, almost like a form of brain training that helps you really tune in and notice the positive things that you have in life. So that's one of the practices. I mean, optimism is another one. And that is the sort of positive thinking tools that help you challenge um, pessimism because uh, pessimism is a risk factor for depression like smoking is for cancer. So um, there's, there's all kinds of tools that help you challenge pessimism and also grow a sense of confidence about the future. Um, so optimism is a positive emotion as well as it's, it's, it's a strength. And it's a sort of way of thinking yeah. um, as yeah. well. Um, but, you know, there are so many symptoms um, of depression and there are as many routes to overcome depression um, as well. Um, so mindfulness is another one. Um, there are various mindfulness programs. I think it's very interesting that mindfulness in the East is a, a, is a spiritual practice uh, in Buddhism. But here in the West, it's become... Um, a mental health tool yeah, yeah, to, you yeah. know, to help you grow your mental health. And I'll tell you the one bit of research that really, really inspired me. It was done by a professor, Richie Davison, at the University of Wisconsin. And he studied the brains of people who did um, the eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And what he found um, was that it, it, it helped to develop the left prefrontal cortex of the brain. And this is the seat of positive emotions. So here is a way of growing your capacity uh, for positive emotions mm. that, that doesn't involve um, mental gymnastics. Um, and what I would also say about positive psychology tools, which I found helpful, um, I, I can get on very well with, with CBT. Now, CBT is very much about addressing negative thinking patterns and and what positive psychology offers are ways to grow your experience of positive emotions so it addresses more the the, the feelings um uh, and so uh something like savoring for example savoring is about uh, intentionally um cultivating positive emotions it's about um you know kind of slowing down to be in the moment and to be with the positive experiences um, as they happen. And that's kind of that. Savoring and gratitude, I think, are the things that really change things for me. Mm. Um, so gratitude, mm -hmm. actually, you know, every day running through, what are my good things today? What's gone well? Uh, what have I got to look forward to? What's good in my life? You know, that repetition uh, helps to form neural connections that make a habit, habit out of happiness. Mm. So it really mm. is about um, practice. So that's that's one thing that I think was life-changing. You know, I, I've been keeping gratitude journals now for 20 years, and it's shifted me from uh, a kind of mindset of deprivation into an abundance mindset. So I'm, I'm much more aware of the positives that I have in my life and I have so much more appreciation uh, for them as well um, and savoring is the other uh, practice that has really had a, a sort of transformative 
uh, um, impact on me. Now, mm. savoring is about mm. really engaging with a positive experience when it happens, so that you can squeeze all the juice out of a, a, a out of a positive experience. Cool. So you can have the good stuff. You know that brings gratitude together with savoring. So um, notice what's good and really engage with it. You know, be in in the moment. I'm just I'm just going to engage with my ginger and turmeric. Cure the tonsillitis. It all sounds great. I mean, all of those gratitude for one for me is is a practice that helped me as well. It's you know I keep a gratitude journal as well, and I always say with gratitude, yeah. some people that have tried it have not made it as specific to them as they possibly could. It's like, I'm grateful for the weather today. And you think, well, you know, so is everyone else. It's yeah. just, it has yeah. to be specific to you. But the thing that I've been, or I was challenged with, um, and also people say to me that they're challenged with is developing that habit. So you say you do yeah. the gratitude yeah. journal every day and, you know, but how did you start to build that habit? I don't do, I don't do um, the gratitude journal every day. I do it about once a week on a Sunday and I find that's a really good time to sit mm. down and reflect on the day that's been and then sort of look forward to the week that's coming up. Um, but the actual uh, three good things, you know, naming your three good things, what what's good in your life, what are you grateful for? Um, and what's gone well. That's something that I, I, I now do automatically. And yeah, it, it is absolutely about practice. Um, there's a, a very famous saying in positive psychology, which is happiness is not a spectator sport. You know, if you want to grow your happiness, you've got to leave the spectator stand and get onto the pitch. Um, so when I first started doing three good things, it was a kind of dry little exercise mm. that I did in my head. Um, I used to do it on my sort of daily walks around the park. Um, but, you know, pretty soon it started happening automatically. You know, so, something good would happen. And I would think, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's one good thing. <laughs> you know, I can count it at least uh, one good thing um, today. So you start to sort of notice things uh, that are good. Um, and, it, and it goes so well with savouring. You know, right now, the blossom is out and it's just spectacular. Mm. And I can get so much pleasure out of something as simple as, you know, a tree in blossom or a square of, you know, exquisite chocolate because I've been doing it for long enough now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is about practice. It does get easier. They say it takes around 21 significant repeats to start beginning um, um, the, the getting into the habit of a habit yeah, and yeah. then about another kind of sort of nine nine weeks or so to really um, embed uh, that habit. So have you read, um, um, I'll tell you one thing. Have you read A Power of, is it The Power of Habit by Charles? No, Duhigg? it's on my reading list by Charles Duhigg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I keep up to date with um, the research through um, Positive Psychology News, mm. which is a sort of bulletin of um, you know research that's going on um, uh, in the field. But it's just because uh, but, but obviously. One thing I would say, sorry, sorry, you go on, you go on, you finish. Oh yeah, no, I'm just going to say, you know, I, I I work with a lot of people and um, I give a lot of talks, and what I find frequently is that people want to satisfy their intellectual curiosity about uh, positive psychology, the science of happiness and well-being. But, you know, actually translating that into doing the practice 
that's what sometimes people don't get that you know it's not you, you can't just read about it you can't just study it you've got to do it you know happiness is something that we do uh, and that's what makes the difference yeah I think as well like you said you started to do it when you was going on walks in the park so yeah. for me when I started to establish a habit it was attaching it to something that I already do yeah so yeah absolutely guess, yeah know, yeah, and, and another way of doing it is when you brush your teeth. Yeah. Um, you know, if you uh, if you have young children, doing it with them when you're putting them to bed or with your partner over supper, you know, what are your three good things mm. today? It, it really is good to anchor it to a routine like that. You mentioned briefly as well about people going to, let's say, the doctors. So, you, yeah. you know, being from the UK, you kind of know the mental health you know issues mm. that people have so the typical approach that you know maybe someone would do is they'll go to the doctors and they won't get the help that they need do you recommend mm. that like you say they just try other stuff and just do as much as they can oh definitely i mean you'll know when you find something that's right mm. for you um my, my book positive psychology for overcoming depression um has just been studied as part of a bibliotherapy study. Wow. That means books, books as therapy. And it was compared to a CBT manual. And both books helped people raise their well-being and overcome depression. So, you know, there's, and so there's a lot mm. of evidence that uh, bibliotherapy works. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I would say just choose, choose experiment. Not easy, you know, it's easy, more easier... It's easier said than done when you're yeah. in depression, but experiment until you find something that works for you. So, uh, for example, physical exercise. You know, there's another sort of famous saying, which I, I love, which is not exercising is like taking depressants. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, physical activity is first aid for the mood. You know, if you get moving, uh, and that might be challenging if you're feeling very low, but as you're moving physically, the endorphins are being released, those feel-good chemicals. Mm. And, you know, you get that natural lift in the mood. Um, and also reaching out, connecting with others, being around your friends um, is, is something that can distract you from that negative thinking. It can sort of interrupt uh, that loop so it acts as a, a, a pretty good distraction mm. um, I, you know I, I find it uh, interesting with men actually because I think men find it really particularly difficult to reach out especially when they're suffering yeah uh, but it's yeah uh, it, it's I know it's hard to do but it, it, it really does help so you know there are so many different ways to treat depression so, just, you know, look for something that works for you. Yeah, I love that. And that's kind of, you know, the angle that I went for is I just tr I became like a scientist. It's like, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? And just really attacked mm -hmm. it upon all angles. Um, and, you know, eventually you'll find, you know, one or two things that work for you. And then it kind of yeah. you know, gets better from there. And also, you know, you mentioned about exercise. That for me was a big help with yeah. my depression and again the, the issue with me is I was very sporty when I was young and I was you know playing football yeah. and when I was depressed and you know how hard it gets even getting out of bed and, and you know doing yeah. the basic yeah. tasks I was always comparing myself then to like the 
poor that used to play football for you know three hours so mm. what looking back mm. on that yeah. it's the thing that helped me was rewarding myself when I only did a tiny bit of exercise. So even if I just did sort of 10 press ups in the morning or mm-hmm. like a 10 minute walk is not beating myself up yeah. because I didn't do as a lot, but just, you know, rewarding this yeah. kind of small actions. Is there, is there a psychological yeah, thing there absolutely. that helps with that? Or is that just kind of, is it just do small little bits and see how it goes? Um, well, I, yeah, just, just, do it i mean i'll I tell you what i do i still do to this day i go for a 10 minute walk yeah. around my local park in fact as soon as we finish this i'm going to be off <laughs> <laughs> um and, and i've got a, i've got a mini trampoline in in my kitchen because what i found is i put on the radio three minutes of pop and i bop around to it and it's enough yeah. to lift my mood um so yeah, it's, it's and that's, that's it, again going back to what we were saying is about experimenting. Yeah. It's just you know no one's probably thought of getting themselves a little trampoline and and bouncing around to pop music, but it's just experimenting and seeing what makes you yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it works. Or or getting out into the garden and and doing uh, you know a little bit of weeding or, or something. Mm. I find dancing works really well for me. Definitely walking in my local park. You know, it's something so simple yeah and you know i agree when you're in depression it's really hard but then you know just try and walk from one lamppost to another you know just just small incremental steps um and what i sometimes say to my clients is just try and do one thing a day you know it's the small actions that gather (laughs) and eventually help you out of um depression Uh, I I sometimes liken it to a dimmer switch. It's like a dimmer switch Mm. coming on gradually. You know, it is, it's not an instant makeover. And I think our society kind of fools us into thinking that these things are um, an instant transformation. It's not, but little and often is the way to go. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go a little lost on my turmeric tea. No, again, I agree. It's just I think we all want that instant hit of dopamine, and you know, oh, this makes mm. me feel better. And I, I, be, I believe yeah. you know people treat antidepressants as. I did a video a while ago. The Sun, it's not the most reputable newspaper, but they did a, a headline across the front page saying "Pop more happy pills," and it was about how more antidepressants are going to be handed out and. It's just like you say, it's more of a constant, or, you know, a gradual change rather than yeah. just you doing yeah. one thing and becoming, you know, the happiest person alive. Um, I want to end it with two things, if you don't mind. Just number one, with mm-hmm. your book, obviously, I highly recommend people go out Ooh, and yeah. buy, buy the book. But if, if there's one takeaway, yeah, there, there we is. go. If there's one takeaway that people could take from <laughs> that book, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, find a good fit, you know, just find the fit, the technique that works well for you. Um, for me, gratitude and savoring, but there's all kinds of techniques, um, in the book. Ah, yeah, I suppose another uh, takeaway I would say is that you don't have to find a cure for depression, um, in pills or in delving deep into the source of your unhappiness, there is mm. another way. And the techniques that build well-being, that build happiness, that build resilience, that build optimism, that build positivity, uh, will also help you recover your well-being. 
I love that. I love that. Finally, um, I did a post about yeah. it today and I was I facilitated and spoke at an event in, in London the other day. And a topic that, you know, a lot of people have said to me is the mental health system. So mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of your experience, what needs to change for people to get the help that they need? Oh, gosh, so much. I mean, an absolute ton of money needs to be thrown yeah. at it. You know, our mental health system sadly is is broken and it you know it breaks my heart because people at their most vulnerable aren't getting help um so yeah a huge huge investment um into mental health that would be one thing um and i think um just diversifying the number of treatments i think we have a tendency in this country to um, look for the kind of magic pill or the sort of magic bullet. And, and that's the, what, antidepressants one, uh, mindfulness is a recent one, mm. CBT is one. Um, I just think we, you know, we really do need to broaden the way we approach depression. I, uh, as, as I said, there's lots of different things. There's yeah. lots of different symptoms yeah. of depression and there's as many cures as many ways to treat it you don't have to um spill your your emotional guts onto the table you know you could be doing things that help you think in more optimistic ways um engaging in practices that put sort of sunshine in the soul um you know reaching out being amongst people um green exercise are you aware of that that's that's green exercise is na- um, it's physical activity in a natural environment. Mm. Uh, and it only takes a few minutes of, of green exercise to start generating positive emotions. So there are so many different routes. I love, you know, what, I love what you've kind of just said as well about how it's almost, you know, especially with mindfulness now, is it's almost become a, oh, that works for joe down the road so that's something that mm, needs to work yeah. for me and then when it doesn't you kind of question or oh, my depression's worse than his depression you know and it's yeah, I t- I t- yeah. I've, I've never really thought of it that way but it's it's so true that yeah there's no one size there is a sort of one all. size yeah there's definitely mm. a one size fits all mentality yeah uh that you know that we are all the same and we respond in a in a similar way which is just not not true yeah amazing so just i I know the connection's been really bad in this but it's been a great conversation and just you know i'll I'll link up to the book in the show notes and also the video if you're watching this on facebook wherever you're watching this i'll link up to the book definitely go and dive deeper into it um and just just finally miriam just thank you for yeah speaking your strength sharing your story explaining kind of what's helped you what's helped your clients I, i i appreciate it and i'm sure a lot of people do as well ah you're very welcome no worries. And you complimented my hair at the beginning of this call when we weren't recording. So <laughs> Your hair looks gorgeous, Paul. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's been it's been I've been working on it for a while. Um so once again, thanks. Go and enjoy the walk around the park and I'll speak soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Cheers. Bye. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode. Once again, a huge thank you to Miriam for taking the time out for being honest and also sharing what's worked for her and what's worked for her clients as well. You can go and check out her book, 
Positive Psychology for Overcoming Depression. You can go grab it from either her website, which will be linked up in the show notes, or over on Amazon as well. I've read it since recording this episode, and it's an amazing book, so I highly recommend it. And as we kind of touched on in the episode, it really is, there's no one-size-fits-all for a cure or recovery for depression. It really is all about trying as much as you possibly can. A lot of what Miriam was saying, I was just nodding to within my head because... I've tried a lot of it and some bits worked for me, some bits didn't work as effectively for me, but it is all about trying. Don't just rely on the doctors, don't just rely on an antidepressant. Try as much as you can, see what works for you and recovery will come. Um, Someone shared in my Facebook group earlier, you can join that Facebook group, it's the Speak Your Strength Facebook group. She She shared some of her drawings and they're amazing drawings and she actually said that this helps her with her anxiety and her depression. Now if I started drawing, I'd get frustrated because I'm a terrible drawer but you can kind of see what I'm trying to make out here that everyone has a different tool that they can use to help them with their depression I'd love to hear from you please leave a rating and a review if you enjoyed this episode if you want to get in touch with me you can email me at paul at pmcgregor.com follow me over on Instagram or Facebook pmcgregor.com is the username on both of them and have a great week and I'll see you all in the next episode